I give honor tonight to the ALJC Kentucky District Board this evening. The men and women that uh, are the, the structure of this district. I look back there and see Brother and Sister Williamson. And I thank God for them. I thank God for them. I do. Our district superintendent. I thank God for him. Go ahead. That's right. I thank God. I don't believe he I don't believe he'd get on to me tonight, but he's not in the best of health, but he is in the best place. I guess if you can't be in the best of the best of health, you just want to get to the best place. And there's a lot of men such as Brother Williamson that give God a sacrifice of praise just for getting here. I walked to my car this evening without one pain in my body as I walked. But there's precious men and women of God that are here tonight that every step you took to get here at this place, there was pain went through your body. And uh, I just want to say to you tonight, I just want to say to you, thank you so much, Brother and Sister Williamson and the district board. And Bishop Richard Sisk, I want you to know tonight, I love this man and this woman. And I guess I, I, my mind goes down memory road when I, when I get to places like this. And my, the first thing that caught my attention besides your bouncy houses was the youth that's here tonight, the young people. And I'm going to tell you, bless God, they're not just here, they're worshiping. And they, did, they, they just didn't come. I know that. I know that. I, 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 I know, they're, I know they're single. I know that many of them are single. And I know there's boys here looking for girls. And there's girls here looking for boys. And in a day and culture we're living, thank God. Thank God they know they're boys. Thank God they know they're girls. But you know what? It's more than that. I saw them run up here around this altar and worship the Lord. And there wouldn't be young people here if there wasn't precious men and women of God that many years ago kept a van going somewhere to a fellowship meeting. Kept something going for youth. Kept something going a Friday night this, uh, an NYC or whatever. That you, they, they, they just wouldn't be here tonight. And I, I do thank them. And I want to mention, I want to mention a dear friend of mine. I preached for him and his precious wife many, many years ago in the big city of Central City, Kentucky. And that's Brother Mason. Brother Mason is so good to see you. He is so good. First time that we had preached for them, I don't believe my wife, we did, I had been there, but I don't believe my wife had ever been there. And Sister Mason, right after church, she said, you want to go snipe hunting? <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, Sister Mason and Sister Carpenter are two peas in a pod. Can you hear me? Out there in the middle of the night, running up down the hills of Kentucky, I said, uh, she asked me on the way to their house, said, what's snipe? I said, I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I guess you'll know when you find them. Then pastor's, pastor's mother 
Sister Cook, it's so good to see you tonight. It is so good to see you. Before I look back there at how pretty your mama is, and uh, I, I just wanted to tell her this. Sister Cook, if I was single, you wouldn't be. <laughs> inspired by Sister Lee tonight from Lexington. You, you know, um, we're strong as individuals, but we're stronger, to, we're stronger together. We're, we're stronger together. We can do more for God together. And uh, I, I just was so moved by, I was so moved by her presentation tonight. What God, what God is doing in the prisons uh, around our nation through the women's esprit it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Well, as usual, the, the singing here is just second to none, and it's anointed. And I thank God that we come and someone lifts us up above the shadows of doubt and fear. Somebody's got a praise on their heart. Somebody's got a praise. And uh, I've got a message tonight, and I'm just going to tell you, it may come out this evening like a Bible study, all right? just like a Bible study. But I really feel led of God to, to minister this tonight. And, and I believe that it, it's, it needs to be ministered on the first night. On the first night. Because um, we want to get some things behind us tonight. We want to get some things settled tonight. So that we can, uh, we can have healings take place this week. How many believe God's still a healer? I don't care how many minute clinics they open up around Madisonville. I still believe that God is. I still and I still believe that God's pouring out the gift of the Holy Ghost. I believe that people need the Holy Ghost. So if you have your Bible tonight, and again, I'm not making an apology. I'm just kind of letting you know that. I want to minister this so that we can comprehend it, we can apply it, because a, a message is just as good as you applying this message. And, 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 and there's times that I've had a message, and I knew that it wasn't for the entire congregation. I knew it wasn't for the entire congregation, because all of us can't be going through the same thing at the same time. But I want you to know tonight, this message... This message tonight is for everyone. It's, it, it's for everyone tonight. Why don't you just take your hand, pat your chest, and say, that's me. That's, that's me. Luke chapter 18, verse number 1. Luke chapter 18, verse number 1. Jesus speaks a parable. And he spake a parable unto them to this end. That men ought always to pray and not to faint. Saying, there was in a city a judge which feared not God nor regarded man. And there was a widow in that city. And she came unto him saying, 
avenge, avenge, avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God, and shall not God hear what the unjust judge saith and shall not God avenge his own elect which cry day and night unto him though he bear long with them I tell you that he will avenge them speedily nevertheless when the son of man cometh Shall he find faith on the earth? For a few moments tonight, I want to minister on three voices. Three voices. Father, I thank you tonight for the privilege and the opportunity to be invited once again to come to this great state and address these wonderful people. God, I pray that for the next three nights that you would use my voice, that you would use, Lord, everything that I have within me to advance your kingdom. Lord, to bless the local churches that are sprinkled across the state of Kentucky. Lord, I ask you tonight, God, that you would use me in a great way. And I will give you the praise and I will give you the glory. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise as you be seated. Now we understand what a parable is, what a parable is. A parable is a method of teaching that the Lord Jesus used to teach heavenly spiritual concepts. He was wanting them to understand concepts. He was wanting them to understand the power of the Word of God. So he likened the Word of God to seed being sown by sower. He likened the power of the decision of your heart to either good ground or stony ground or ground that had thorns. So he was using earthly examples, earthly examples. He, he spoke a parable about a man that was going through a field and he found an unbelievable treasure in that field. And he went and sold everything that he had and he bought that field bought that treasure. We understand that the field, the field is the world and the treasure, the treasure is the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, the relationship, the born again experience. We, we know that there was a man that searched for a great pearl and when he found the pearl of great price, he, he went and sold everything that he had. It, he sacrificed everything and he's getting the concept down that that when you find him, that, that you, you, you've got to be willing to give everything up in life in order, in order to attain him and to have him. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't know what any of you would need to give up tonight, but I'll tell you it's well worth it. 
Whatever you have to give up to live for God, I'm here to tell you it is well worth it to give up. This is an interesting parable that I read you tonight in eight verses. It's an interesting parable, but it's interesting and unlike all the other parables that he spoke because he goes ahead in verse 1 and tells you the meaning of the parable. He just tells you right off the, right off the bat, verse number 1 says, He spake a parable unto them that men ought always, always to pray. And not to faint. He says, I'm, I'm going to tell you a parable. I'm going to go ahead and tell you what it means. It means that if you don't want to faint, that means to be overcome. You realize that a lot of people are not injured by fainting. They're injured by the fall that results by fainting. It's not necessarily that they passed out. It's that they hit their head on the corner of the table when they passed out. Or they, 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 they broke a limb when they passed out. And so... There's one thing that we don't want to do spiritually. We don't want to faint. We don't want to be overcome with the pressures of this life. And I told you this message is for everybody because everyone in this room tonight, in one form or another, have pressure. Your pressure may not be my pressure, but we have to understand we all have pressure that's in life. And the only way that we can stand up and hold on to the pressure is that we have a prayer life. We have a, we have a talking to God. We have a, we have a prayer life. And so the Lord was saying, I'm going to go, go ahead and tell you this, that men ought always to pray, always to pray. In all ways they should be praying. In good ways you ought to pray. When you have bad ways you ought to pray. It ought to be in all the ways of your life you should have a prayer life. Things are going good. Don't stop praying. You better keep on praying. Don't just pray until things go good. Pray until things go good and keep on praying because things won't always stay that way. And when things go from good to bad, you just keep on praying. Now here's the parable. Here's the parable. He said there was in a city, there was in a city, an un just judge. Now, you understand how powerful a judge is. How powerful, how powerful a judge is. If you don't, you don't understand how powerful uh, uh, a judge is. Just ask Hunter Biden. All right. You'll, 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 you'll. I hope I don't lose you for the rest of the week. Here, all right. I'm just, I'm just saying. All right. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying things. Things didn't turn out the way that he thought they were going to turn out today, right? Because the judge had something to say. Man, I've done told the woman that I wasn't, if she wasn't single, and now I've done got into politics. I'm not into politics, all right? Judge is powerful. Judge is powerful. Judge can speak one word in the courtroom and you leave from the courtroom and go down to the jail. Judge, a judge is powerful. Judge is powerful, right? Judge is powerful. But now this is not just any judge that Jesus is talking about. This here is an unjust judge. Uh, he's, un, he's unjust. He, 
He's not right. He's probably, if, if, the, if the parable wanted to go on, he probably takes bribes. He probably cuts deals. And, uh, but he's not just an unjust judge. He, he, Jesus said, he fears not God. Now, he has no fear of God about him. Boy, isn't that a terrible place to ever be in that there is no fear of God? I, I, I want you the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Well, when you begin to fear the Lord, you just has a lot of things you don't have to know the Lord is against. You just have to have a fear of God. Fear of God. But this man, Pastor Cookie, he has no fear of God. There it is in verse 2. He has no fear of God. Neither does he regard man. He don't care. He doesn't care. He is content. Passionless. He doesn't have any sympathy for anybody. He doesn't regard man. He's unjust and he has no sympathy for anyone. He is an unjust judge. The second voice comes from a widow. She is a widow. What makes her a widow is she is without a husband. It would appear by the parable that she not only doesn't have a husband, someone to provide for her, someone to protect her, someone to care about her, someone to share life with. She not only is a widow, she is not only husbandless, but it would appear that she doesn't have any children to help her. But I, I want you to know, church, if that's not pitiful enough, if you don't have a lot of sympathy already for this widow, I'll tell you what the widow does have. She has an adversary. She has an adversary. This word adversary means enemy. She has an opponent. She has an enemy. She has an opponent. She has someone that is attacking her. She has this, she has this adversary. She has this adversary. Now let's let's uh, let's talk about the adversary for a moment, just for a moment. This adversary, whatever it is, an enemy, this adversary, whatever it is, is fighting. This adversary, whatever it is, is making the life of this widow so miserable. Making the life of this widow so miserable. And the only hope the widow has is to find her way into the presence of the only man that can overcome the adversary. The only one that can speak the word and can conquer the adversary. And she goes into the courtroom of the unjust judge. Day after day, night after night. It's a simple plea. It's a simple plea. Avenge, avenge, avenge me of my adversary. That word avenge there means to pay back. It means to afflict harm. She comes into that room and she says, I want you to pay my adversary back. I want you to inflict harm upon my adversary. You're the only one that can do it. You're the only one that can, that you're, you're, you're the only one 
that can inflict harm. You're the only one that can pay him back for what he has done, what he has done for me, to me. And the Bible says that the widow, the husbandless widow, continued coming back to the courtroom until the one day the unjust judge that fears not God nor regards any man had to hold a special counsel in his own chambers. And he had to counsel with his own self. And he said, I'm an unjust man, and I fear not God, nor do I regard any man. But this husbandless widow is troubling me. She is troubling me. She is bringing this to my attention. And said, although I fear not God, nor regard man, I will go ahead and I will avenge her. I will inflict pain. I will pay her adversary back. I will cause her adversary to wish he had never begun to attack her. I will cause that adversary to repent because he has attacked this widow woman. He ends the parable there. But you understand these three voices. Number one, the unjust judge is used to show you the opposite of what God is. The opposite of what God is. You see, this unjust judge, because you come down, if you follow me, you come down to verse number 7, and he simply introduces the explanation by saying, And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, Though he bear long with them. So he turns it. The the unjust judge is the opposite of our God that we serve. He's the opposite. And he's just using this unjust, fears not God, nor regards man, has no care, has no compassion, does not care. God says, I am the total opposite. I am the total opposite. I do care about man. I do care about the widow. I do care about her pain. I do care about her tears. I do care about her life. Doesn't matter that she's husbandless. I do care about her. And I will avenge her. And that speedily. The adversary tonight. We all know who the adversary is. Let's get this straight. The first voice I want to tell you is the voice of God. And when God speaks, freedom begins to come. See, You see what I want to have happen tonight, tomorrow night, and Friday night. I want God to speak in this place. And friend, if we can get a word from the Lord, things that are bound will have to be set free. If we can get a word from the Lord, nothing can turn into something. If we can get a word from the Lord, because He is still just as powerful tonight as He has ever been. His word is forever settled. Come on, somebody, tonight. His word is forever settled. Can I tell you how powerful? Can I tell you how powerful His word is? His word is so powerful that he can move upon an earth that is without form and void and darkness.
darkness is upon the face of the deep. I personally believe there that that darkness is a darkness opposite of light. I believe that that formless, shapeless, dead, lifeless planet was created in that state to house a spirit that had sang praises to God in heaven. And when Satan got out of order, God cast him down to a created place that was suitable for him. He has no form. He has no life. And he cast him down. And I believe the darkness there is not the opposite of light, but it's the darkness of that adversary of man. But our God can move upon the face of the deep. And our God can say, let there be light. And there is light. Somebody in this house tonight is groping through a season of your life. Somebody under the sound of my voice tonight is groping through a season of your life that you can't figure things out. You cannot see your hands spiritually in front of your face. But camp meeting 2023, all of a sudden, God is going to begin to speak. God is going to begin to speak. And by Saturday morning, you're going to say, I saw the light. I see what I need to see. I see what I need. Oh, if we can just get a word from God. I tell you how powerful the word is. Jesus came walking on the water. And Peter said, Lord, if that's you, if that's you, bid me to come walking out there on the sea. And just one word. You don't, you don't need a whole paragraph from God in this camp meeting. Just one word. Just one word. If that's you, Lord, let me walk on the water with you. And just one word, come. And when he spoke that one word, come. Old Peter threw his legs out from that boat. And Peter began to walk on the water to go to Jesus. Now, I know some of you are ahead of me. You say, yeah, but he got to sinking. Well, let me tell you something. He got to sinking because he got his eyes off Jesus. And he got his eyes on the adversary, the wind. And when he got his eyes on the wind, he began to sink. But you've got to understand, there's a difference in sinking and sunk. All right? Some of us are sinking, but praise God, we're not sunk. I still got my head above water. It may not be far. It may not be very much. But all I got to do to stay alive is to keep my mouth and my nose above water. And I'm here to tell you, some of us have come to camp meeting 2023 and we're about up to our neck in trouble. But thank God you got your mouth and your nose above water. And it's in this situation that he's going to reach down and pick us up. And we're going to walk back to the boat. Just one word. That's all we need from our judge tonight. That's all we need from our judge tonight. We, 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 just, need, we just need one word. That's, that's all we need from our judge tonight. The, the widow woman is typology of the church. Although we have the Holy Ghost, in a certain way, we are a widow because our husband, Jesus Christ, is not with us physically here. Now, I know that we have the Holy Ghost.
Ghost. I know that. But just the typology here, we're kindly a widow. But our saving grace, when our adversary, and oh, do we ever have an adversary. You, you, know, why we, you know why we got an adversary? There's two powerful forces that both want to reside in our hearts. There's two powerful spiritual forces that want to reside, that want to live. There's two forces that want your heart, your mind, and your soul. Of course, one is the Almighty God. One is the Almighty God. He wants to live inside of all of us. He just doesn't want to visit with you in a building. He wants to walk with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to live with you. He wants to wake you up in the middle of the night when you're all troubled. And he wants to sit there as you begin to say, Jesus, I just need a little help right now. Come on, can I get a, can I get a witness tonight? You see, a lot of our emotional battles are not fought in the house of God. They're fought in the darkness of a living room or the darkness of a bedroom or the silence of a car automobile. But the Jesus that I serve says, I want to be with you not only when you're in a house of worship, but I want to be with you when you're in a dark, gloomy place. I want you to know that you can cry out to me. study that I'm giving here tonight but this widow woman is like the church and I've got a God that wants to live with you, a God that wants to walk with you, but then there's an adversary, there's a prince and the power of the air, he too wants to reside in your heart, he too wants to be there inside of you, but one came that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly and the other, came, the other came to bring death and destruction. One will make your life better, and the other will make your life bitter. And there are two forces that are warring for our heart. And we, we hold the choice to which one we lean to. That's why we need the word in our head. We need to make decisions that are based on the word of God. Emotions are fickle. The devil is the master of deception. He is the master of illusions. He is the master to cause you to think that the decision that you're making is the best for you. Although the word of God says that it's not. He is a master of deception. He is the master of illusion. And he's always warring to come inside of your soul. He truly is our adversary. And he doesn't leave you alone just because you have turned your back on him. He doesn't leave you alone because you went to the altar and you repented. He doesn't leave you alone because you went down in the name of Jesus Christ. 
He doesn't leave you alone because you've received the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. He doesn't leave you alone even after you get a year under your belt of a midweek Bible study, a Sunday morning service, and a Sunday evening service, and camp meeting after camp meeting. No, he doesn't. You can be living for God 50 years, and he still, that adversary, is still going to come around. You see, hell doesn't care who you are to get you. Hell is without respecter a person. Hell will take a poor man, and hell will take a wealthy man. Hell will take a man with perfect health, and hell will take a man with just a few days to live. Can I tell you, he is our adversary. He's always there. He's always there. He's always there. He's our adversary. He's always there. He's got a voice. The judge has a voice. The widow has a voice. And the adversary has a voice. This adversary in 1 Peter 5 and 8, Peter said it about him. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Peter writes it out. He writes it out after a fall. Be sober, be vigilant. I believe that he remembers. He let his guard down. He got a little confident in himself. He got a little confident in what he could do. He got a little confident in what he said and what he could do. Uh, and he didn't have his confidence in the Lord Jesus. And I just want to tell you tonight, I can't even walk without him holding my hand. You hear me tonight? I don't care who you are, how spiritual you think you are. I don't care how long you've been in the church. I can't even walk without him holding my hand. I need you, Jesus. I need you in my life. I got to have decisions to be made. I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Lord, if you don't touch me, I don't think I can preach one more sermon. Lord, if you don't touch me, I don't think I can put my clothes on and go back to the house of God. But God, if you'll give me a touch, I'll get back up and I'll preach. I can't eat. can relate to that tonight. Peter, Peter said, I'm going to tell you something. I let my guard down one time. But I'm here to tell you, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring, roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Can I tell you something? The devil is just seeking for any situation to get in. He just, he just prowling around. He just seeking for any situation to get in. You see, sometimes we think situations are just life. Can I tell you, situations are a puppet. But what gives life to that puppet is the hand that's up inside that puppet. There are situations that come to all of our lives. And Satan looks around and says, let me get into that situation. I'll talk through that situation. You see, that devil has never been able to appear to man in his raw, destructive, deceitful way. He always has to put a blanket on. He always has to put a covering on. He did it in the Garden of Eden. Why didn't he just show up 
in his natural way and say, hey, I'm a fallen angel. I once was in heaven. I rebelled against God and I'm cast down to this earth. Why don't you eat of that fruit over there? He knew that man would not fall. So he had to get into a situation. He had to get into a serpent. And when he got into the serpent, the ser he began to speak through the serpent. There's some situations that you didn't ask for. There's some situations that God did not create. But Satan, as a roaring lion, walked by and he said, I think I can get in this situation. And if I can get in this situation, I'll start speaking through this situation. He comes by. He comes by. And he finds a woman that went for a checkup that the doctor told her that we got to run some tests because there's some cancer in your body. And that's a situation. But if we don't know how to go to our heavenly bridegroom, if we don't know how to go to the master of cancer, if we don't know how to go to the master of the wind, if we don't know how to go to a God that can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask and or think, if we begin to think, I've been serving God and this is what I get. I've been living for God and this is what happens to my business. I've been serving God while I've been going to church, while I've been praying for my lost husband. He's been taking advantage of my absence from the house and he's got an affair going with somebody else. Is this how you treat me, God? But Satan will come to any situation that he can and he'll begin to speak through it. Oh yes. I want to I, I preach a little bit tonight. There'll be some things come through your church and, and all of a sudden you begin to lose two or three families. You may be seated. You begin to lose two or three families. Has nothing to do with the devil. Has nothing to do with God. Maybe the economy's dried up. Maybe something happened. You just maybe lose some families. Do you know what that adversary comes to the pastor with? See there, your ministry's no good here. Why don't you go ahead and write that resignation letter? Why don't you just go ahead and give up? You know why? The adversary knows if he stays there, there's going to be some more hungry people come in. And the adversary's trying to say, I got to get this preacher out of here. I, I, I got to get this church. I got to get it unstable. I got to get them changing pastors every two or three years. I got to get I got to get this thing unstable because if they ever get a stable man in here, they'll build a church that the gates of hell cannot prevail again. That's why when you get a bad doctor's report, you need to get you a song on your heart. Sometimes the clouds hang low. I'd like to see them go. I ask the question, Lord, why so much pain? But he knows what's best for me, although I cannot see. I'll just say, thank you, Lord. I can't complain. I'm going down to get a chemo treatment. I just thank you, God. I just praise you, God. Can I tell you, I'm not going to allow the adversary to speak. I'm not going to let him get in that, that, that situation. 
he's, he's, he's looking for circumstances. He's looking for things to get in. This adversary, he is our adversary. He is our adversary. As a matter of fact, we need to be ready for the adversary. I said we need to be ready for the adversary. Now, I'm not one of these guys that see a devil behind every broke washing machine. I don't see a devil behind every tire that went flat. I, you know, that washing machine might have broke because it's 40 years old. And them tires might have, might have popped because they didn't have any threads on it. I don't see a devil behind every tree. But I'm also wise enough to know there is a devil. And just as sure as you let your guard down, he's going to hit you. Be sober. Be vigilant. Your adversary. Not only that, don't just be sober-minded. Ephesians 6 and 10 says it this way. Ephesians 6 and 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I'm not putting the armor on to praise God. Somebody, we, we sing these songs, I got my armor on. I understand what we're singing, but we're really singing that song in the wrong place. My armor is not for God. God ain't trying to fight against me. My armor is for the wiles. That word wiles there means schemes and plans of the devil. I got to have some armor on. I got to have some armor on. If I'm going to stand against the schemes of the devil, I can't do it on my own. I got to have some I got to have some armor on. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Stop right there. There's a difference between boxing and wrestling. And here it is. When you're boxing, you want to knock them out. That's what really ends the match. When you knock them out, when they can count and you can't get up. But not with wrestling. Your opponent is wanting to do one thing. Pin you down. They want to pin you down. Don't knock you out. Most wrestling matches are not knockouts. They just pin you down. And can I tell you, all of us have been knocked down. I'll be transparent and tell you, there's been things come my way and in your way that's knocked us down. But it's not a sin to be knocked down. It is a sin to stay down when you get knocked down. Because the adversary is hoping, I hope you stay down. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I'm going to hold you down. And the Bible said a righteous man will fall seven times and get up. And then there's another verse that goes like this. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. I shall arise. I, I, I want you to know that I had something happen and I fell. I slipped. I did something. I listened to the tempter and I went the wrong direction. But I'm getting back up. I'm at Kentucky Camp Meeting 2023 and I am getting back up. Boy, we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, Take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, having done all to stand, stand. Now let me, let me tell you, when we study our adversary tonight, we study our adversary tonight, this is what ought to make us stay close to Jesus. Because our adversary has already been 
defeated. We're going to defeat the devil one day. No, no, no. no. All, all, all you've got to do is fight from the high ground of advantage. You've got to fight from the high ground of Calvary. I'm here to tell you that our adversary doesn't like us talking about Calvary. Flex your muscles all you want to. Get you a fast song and run an aisle and I'm all for that and I'll probably do it before the week's out. But I'm going to tell you what causes that. I don't run an aisle for a devil. I run an aisle for Jesus. But can I tell you something? I begin to rehearse Calvary when all of hell has come against me. Because we need to let the adversary know you are defeated. I know you're defeated. I know you're defeated. I want you to know that you're defeated. And I want you to know how I know that you're defeated. Because in Genesis 3.15, God spoke to the serpent and he said, The seed of the woman is going to crush your head. He already settled it right there. Before Adam and Eve ever walked out of the garden, God said, I've already defeated you, Satan. I've already, I've already won. I speak of those things which not, which are not as though they were. And when God said to Satan, the seed, a woman is going to bear a seed. And it's going to crush your head. And boy, didn't it happen when God was manifested in the flesh. As a matter of fact, I hear a scripture tonight, Brother Wayne, that says for this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Why did God take on a human body? Because he was going to bruise the head of the adversary. Oh my. Oh, hallelujah. You, you, you see, when you start talking about the victory that we've got, the atmosphere changed. The little baby. You may be seated. Uh, I read this the other day in a little Bible class, a little Bible college class. I didn't know it. But do you know that when Jesus was born, when God became flesh in Bethlehem's manger, Son of God, do you know that they had just recently declared Caesar Augustus the Son of God? They had just in their pagan way declared Caesar Augustus to be the son of God. That's why, that's why, and the only king of kings, that's why when those wise men showed up in Jerusalem and Herod the king under Caesar Augustus, Herod the king heard these wise men saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? See, Satan has always had a counterfeit for every real thing God's got. And can I tell you what? God's got for victory doesn't look like what the world has for victory. The world needed Caesar Augustus, a man, a champion, a soldier, a warrior. And God said, you know, I'll give you the Son of God. Go over there to a barn. Go over there to a manger. And you'll find a little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. That is the true Son of God. Satan is not all-knowing. Satan is not all-knowing tonight. I, I know some of you are thinking, man, this ain't can't be preaching. I, we just got to get this out of the way. All right? 
Satan is not all-knowing. Satan is not all-knowing. Because if Satan was all-knowing, and Jesus, the Son of God, as flesh was in heaven in eternity past, then Satan would have known, hey, I know who you are. Satan had to come along and say, if you be the Son of God, there's something unusual about you. If you be the Son of God. If you be the Son of God. And you know what? God just had him play into his own hands. Because there were two powers in that day. There were two powers in that day. They didn't know it. But they were nothing but a puppet to Satan. And that was the Roman government. And that was the Jewish religion. All they were were circumstances and situations that Satan came by and said, I can get in that government. I can get in that religious system. I'll get in that religious system and they'll study from a book that plainly tells how Messiah will come and where Messiah will be born and who the lineage will be. But I'll totally blind them to that and they'll hate him because he's not a Pharisee. And they'll hate him because he's not a Sadducee. And they'll hate him because he doesn't side with them. Matter of fact, they'll hate him so much because he'll make a statement in the book of John. He'll make a statement. He, he, he will talk about, I was before Abraham. And that'll get a conversation going. And they'll ask a question. That religious system will say, are you greater? Are you, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you claiming to be greater than Abraham? And then he would rock their world when he said, Before Abraham was, I am. Oh, friend, when he said, I am, they knew that he had tied himself to the God of the burning bush on the backside of the desert when Moses said, What is your name? And he said, I am that I am. And they said, You claim, you claim to be God. You Of course, religion, religion has always had it backwards. They picked up stones to stone Jesus, and Jesus said, wait a minute, before you stone me, would you tell me what good work you're stoning me for? Was it the opening of the blinded eyes? Was it the, was it the opening of the deaf ears? What good work do you stone me? They said, oh, no, no, no. Not for a good work do we stone you, Jesus. But you, being a man, have made yourself God. Oh, how backwards they have it. It wasn't a man that made himself God. Why, it was a God who made himself man. But they, they played right into it. Satan laughs with a wicked glee when he found Judas. When he found Judas and when he maybe noticed Judas, you, 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 this is one thing. Judas was given power just like the other 11. But you'll never find Judas ever worshiping God. I wonder if Satan didn't stand back. He's a roaring lion. And I wonder if he didn't observe all the other apostles worshiping and healing. But I wonder if he saw Judas bored, hands folded. And he began to say, I, I, I think I can work with that non-praiser right there. I, I think I think I could get I think I think I could work with that non-praiser. I 
I, I, I'll show all the flaws in the church to that non-praiser. You see, a, a praiser don't have time to look around at flaws. A, a, a praiser's got his mind on the Lord. A, 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 a praiser doesn't have time. It's too loud in here. A, a praiser don't have time for that. A, a, a praiser don't have time to look who just walked in. Can you believe they would come back to church? A praiser don't have time. But show me somebody that's not praised. slip his hand and all of a sudden you may be seated the non-praiser the non-praiser will be in the safe danger zone it's really not the non-praiser it's the adversary it's the adversary speaking he got Judas and oh how he welcomed Judas Judas left that upper room that night went down to where the chief priests were and said I hear that you all would like to arrest Jesus in a private place. I, I've heard tell that you would you would have arrested him in many different places, but you fear the people and you want in a quiet place. I I I, uh, I know a quiet place that no one goes but he and his disciples. Well uh, what would it cost him? What would it cost him? Well uh, how about thirty pieces of silver? How about thirty pieces? They cut the deal there, and I could see Satan. You see, he's not all knowing. He's not all knowing. And I can see Satan as uh, Jesus stands before that religious group, and they're angry, and they don't, don't even really know why they're angry. They're angry because the adversary, the covering, is there. And the next thing they know, they they're chanting, "Crucify him!" and "Crucify him!" And I can see Satan as he's beginning to beginning to build his confidence that he was really God when they came to get him. He could have he could have disappeared. If he was really God, he could have done this and done that. And he watches as one comes and smacks him on the side of the face. And if he was really God, would he allow that? And they pluck his beard if he was really God. And Satan is laughing the whole time as they beat him with the cat of nine tails. And and they, they, they rip the flesh from his back. And Satan is just thinking, you know, I've been held up now for about three and a half years. I've not been able to work. I've, I've had people crippled. I've had people demon-possessed. I've had them cutting themselves. I've had them suicidal. I've had them all kinds of ways. But for three and a half years, this, this, this man here has stood in my way. But I'm about to have a free way. I'm about to have all my freedom back. And he watches, he, he's gleaning, he's, he's, he's chuckling a wicked laugh as they walk him up Golgotha's hill. And they nail him and Satan is there to watch him nail to the cross. And Satan hears him say it is finished. And Satan sees him give up the ghost and hell had a party. Oh, look, we, 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 we've been held up for three and a half years and, and, and now he's dead and hell has a party. But brothers and sisters, can I tell you, the adversary is not all-knowing because later on in the Bible, after the resurrection and after the day of Pentecost and after the powerful church of Jesus Christ is birthed in the upper room, the writer said it this way, had the princes of this world had known had the wicked vices of this world had known they would have never crucified the Lord 
Lord of glory. Satan didn't know, but he was playing into the hand of redemption. Satan didn't know. Let me bring this to an end. And let me bring this to where you must get involved tonight. The only one that can silence your adversary is the one that won the victory at Calvary. He's the only one. I've even, I've even rearranged my praying, Sister Lee. I've even rearranged my praying. I'm trying to get out of the habit of saying, Satan, I rebuke you. Because my rebuke isn't that powerful. But if I can say, Satan, the Lord rebukes you. The Lord rebukes you. Because I haven't really defeated the devil yet as a person. My decisions are defeating him one decision at a time. But the God that I'm totally submitted to tonight. The God that I'm giving my life to tonight. I pray to him. I worship him. I'm obedient to him. The God that I serve has already defeated him at Calvary. So if I want to silence the adversary, if I want to silence my enemy, I'm not going to say, I rebuke you. I'm going to say, Satan, the Lord rebukes you. Don't you remember how you were defeated at Calvary? The Lord rebukes you. Folks, this works. So help me, God, this works. So help me, my righteous God, this works. When you get the weight of the world on your shoulder, don't write it off to a bad day. Don't write it off to just happen chance. Don't write it off to the just emotion. You've got an adversary that wants to whisper in your ear, you're nothing but trash. You've got an adversary that wants to whisper in your ear, you're never going to make it. You've got an adversary that wants to whisper in your ear, but I got news for you. Stop saying, I rebuke you. Start saying, Satan. The Lord won the battle. I belong to Jesus Christ. And the Lord won the battle. And the Lord rebuked you. Come on, stand with me tonight. Hey, I'm not going to fight something on Monday. I am not going to live for God anymore this way, Brother Wade. I am not going to live for God anymore this way. On Monday, hell, all hell comes against me. And I'm just saying... Oh, I can't wait till Wednesday night. Oh, I can't wait till midweek Bible study. Oh, I can't wait. I've done figured it out. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. He's better than an aspirin. If you got, listen, some people got more faith in a Tylenol than they do the name of Jesus. They'll have a headache and they'll take a Tylenol knowing that in just a few minutes it'll get in my bloodstream and my headache will go away. You don't have a headache, but you have got a spiritual headache of the adversary and you can't make it to Wednesday night. He got on your back first thing Monday morning. Come on, somebody. He got on your back first thing Thursday morning. You can't wait till Sunday to come around. And you can just get on the edge of your bed. And you can begin to say, adversary, the Lord rebukes you. Adversary, the name of Jesus is against you. Adversary, the Lord. When Jesus dealt with demon possessed, 
He didn't come and say, hey, get up from there. Stop wallowing in the floor. He didn't, he didn't say, hey, hey, put some clothes on. Hey, stand up. Hey, act right. You know the first thing Jesus did when he dealt with demon possession? He told the devil when they cried out, hold your peace. Can I give it to you? You know, there's different translations of the Bible. Can I, can I introduce you to one that's not been printed yet? called the KRC version. Kenny Ray Carpenter. You know what that is to me when he said hold your peace? Jesus said to the devil not to the man or the woman. He said to the adversary close your mouth. If we don't get the adversary's mouth closed on the first night of camp meeting, there'll be a healing spirit come tomorrow night, but the adversary will say, it's not for you. That's not for you. It's for somebody else. We need tonight, on the first night of camp meeting, to let the adversary know, close your mouth. Bible says in the book of Jude when Michael the archangel was disputing with the devil over the body of Moses it's there in Jude Satan wanted the body of Moses but God said you're not getting the body of Moses you're not getting the body of Moses because his body is going to be buried in the wilderness and I don't want you coming back from the land of promise over into the wilderness to pay homage to Moses. So I'm taking his body and I'm going to bury it where no man knows it unto this day. But you studied that out in you. The Bible says that Michael brought not a railing accusation. He didn't go crazy with his, with, he, with his rebuke. He did it the right way. When he wanted the body and Satan wanted the body, Michael just simply said this. Michael the archangel just simply said this. It's Michael the archangel and Satan, Lucifer, and the body of Moses. And Michael the archangel simply said, The Lord rebuke you. There's power when the Lord rebukes you. I don't have time to tell you. He rebuked rivers and they had to leave. There's something about the rebuke of the Lord. Satan, Satan, now I'm, I'm just about done. We got, to get him, we, we got to shut him up this first night. Satan, close your mouth. Close your mouth. I'm telling you, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the one who defeated you, Close your mouth. I don't want to hear it. I am crying to my God. Close your mouth. The Bible says, Your adversary is as a 
I'm, I'm going to put you a little Bible test here for just a second. The Bible says the devil is as a a lion, right? There's a man in the book of Daniel who bears the name Daniel, right? Was he a praying man? Was he a praying man? How about three times a day? But the king wrote a law that said he could not do what? Pray. And if he was found praying, what was going to happen to him? Cast into the lion's den. But because he wouldn't stop praying, they cast him into the lion's den. But God did a work in the lion's den. Can somebody help me out? What did he do? He was a praying man. And they threw him in the lion's den. But what was what did God do to the lion that was there? Closed his mouth. On the first night of this camp. I'm asking somebody. That your adversary has been just wearing you out. He's been abusing you. He's been tormenting you. You can't get good sleep at night. You're fretting. I want you to step out of your seat right now. Walk down to this altar in bold proclamation. Devil, close your mouth. Close your mouth. I, I, I hear it. I hear it, sister. I hear it. That's it, that's it, that's that's it. That's right, that's right. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you in the name of Jesus. The Lord rebuke you. Now right now the adversary's telling some of you all. The adversary said, no, I don't feel much of the Spirit of God here right now. I'm here to tell you we are about to do warfare. I am crying day and night. Close the mouth of the adversary. Come on. Come on, it's your time. Come on, it's your time right now. Come on, it's your time right now. There is the voice of God. There is the voice of the widow. And there is the voice of the adversary. Come on, come on, widow. Come on, widow, right now. Come on, I want you to move up as close as you can around the altar. I want to give plenty of room. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. 